Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, last week I plunged for the uh, second time into the world of the Reddit AMA. That means ask me anything. Now, if you don't know what Reddit is, it's a web uh, forum, one of the most popular in the world. And this AMA thing, Ask Me Anything, is, is a, a forum in which a person makes himself available to respond to any question anybody wants to ask. I've said before it's like the, uh, the quadlibital questions in the Middle Ages. So when a professor would come into the room, and quadlibet in Latin just means whatever you want. And so the professor would entertain any question from the floor. Well, things, trust me, they're a little uh, more rough and ready on the Internet, but uh, it's the same kind of idea. Now, I'm saying this not because I'm particularly famous, because I'm quite sure 98% of people on Reddit AMA don't know me. But now for the second time, we did it last year, for the second time, I had one of the most popular AMAs of the year. Last year, I was just behind Bill Gates and Jordan Peterson. This year, as, as I record these words, I'm behind, again, Bill Gates was number one. He's really big on Reddit AMA. But I'm just about to catch Bernie Sanders. And again, I'm saying it not because I'm that famous, but young people are interested in the questions of religion. They're interested in the church. Now, trust me, go on it with some trepidation because you're going to find an awful lot of vile stuff on, on Reddit. So the audience is... I think demographically, it's, it's largely young men between 18 and 30. So, you know, you're going to expect a fair amount of kind of locker room stuff and a lot of vitriol, a lot of hatred, a lot of, frankly, childishness, et cetera, et cetera. However, you'll also find, if you can wade through all of that, you're also going to find, I think, a good deal of authentic religious insight, question, aspiration. You're going to hear a lot of energy around religious questions among young men, and I think that's good. Now, let me just say, the four biggest themes that emerge, for sure, it's not that hard to see these patterns. The four biggest were the existence of God. Can you, do you know that God exists? How can you show it? Secondly, how do you know that your religion is right compared to other religions? Third topic, hugely important for young people, homosexuality and the church's attitude toward it. So no question about that. But the fourth area of interest is the one I want to talk about today. And man, was it clear on this Reddit AMA. Namely, the problem of suffering. How could God exist if there's so much wickedness and evil and pain and suffering in the world? Okay. I can't tell you. How many participants in this forum pose some version of that question? You know, by the way, they reminded me here a bit of uh, 
Dostoevsky, you go back to the Brothers Karamazov, his greatest novel, and uh, you know one of the characters, Alyosha, is um, is very religious, but his brother, who's a fierce critic of religion, is trying to dissuade his brother, and so he brings up, and I think it's the most vivid presentation in all the literature of the world. He brings up these cases, many of them, by the way, Dostoevsky took from real life, of children being tortured. Now, again, his purpose, the, the character's purpose, was to disabuse his brother of his religious faith. And this is how he was trying to do it, by saying, look, how can you possibly believe in God if all this terrible stuff happens, including the torture of children? And there's just something that's uniquely horrific, right, about that. Well, on the Reddit AMA, now not with the same eloquence of Dostoevsky, but people brought up a lot with me. Children suffering, children sick, children indeed being tortured. Okay. I would say every single major theologian has wrestled precisely with this issue. And and the reference to Dostoevsky makes clear a lot of our great artists have too. Now, how come I'm bringing all this up today? Why am I bringing up this, this interest of the Reddit AMA? Well, because of our readings for today. The first reading taken from the book of the prophet Habakkuk. First of all, clearly indicates that people in biblical times wrestled with the very same issue. See, don't think for a second that somehow oh, we modern people have kind of cleverly uncovered this great objection. <laughs> Believe me, it's been around from the beginning of religion, and you can hear it in the biblical authors themselves. Now, the prophet Habakkuk, uh, not maybe a household name, he's one of the so-called minor prophets, just meaning that he has one of the shorter books in the prophetic literature. But he was prophesying and speaking, maybe even writing, in the period just prior to the Babylonian captivity. Now, that's, that's a way of saying during a time when Israel was very uh, on edge, it's great fear that this power was sort of amassing its forces and was threatening the neighboring countries, including Israel. Imagine if there was a, a great international power that was at our borders and about to invade our country. Well, that's the mood of the time when Habakkuk was writing. So listen to him now. And, and I think this could come right out of the Reddit AMA. This could come right out of young people today. Listen to him. How long, O Lord? I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you violence, but you do not intervene. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. Okay, pretty blunt, pretty clear. Does he believe in God? Yes, of course. He's a biblical prophet. But is he feeling the press of this issue as powerfully as anybody on the Reddit AMA? Absolutely. Don't think for a second that you know the authors of the Bible, oh, they just had all this figured out. You know, no problem. Here's my, my facile little argument. I got this whole thing figured out. Nothing can be further from the truth. Believers in God have always wrestled especially with this difficulty. Again, doubt me, open up the book of the Psalms. 
And as I've said often, in the Psalms, you can see everything. You see ecstasy, you see love, you see joy, you see ebullience, and you see anguish, broken hearts, and this angry crying out to God. The Bible knows all about it. Okay, does the Bible leave us there? No. Listen as we go on now with Habakkuk. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write down the vision clearly upon the tablets, so that one can read it readily. For the vision still has its time, presses on to fulfillment. It will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. Friends, here we catch a glimpse of what the Bible means by faith. As I've said to you repeatedly, authentic faith has nothing to do with naivete or gullibility. Don't listen to the new atheists on this. It has nothing to do with authentic faith. Oh, I just accept any old nonsense on the basis of no evidence. No, 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 that's not faith. That's credulity, gullibility, naivete. That's not it. Rather, listen now, authentic faith is a confidence in God. It's a reliance upon God, even when we can't adequately see or understand what God is about. Let me say it again. Faith is a confidence in God, a reliance upon God, even when we can't adequately see or understand what God is about. You know, think for a second to everybody. Why would we think that we, with our, our tiny, finite minds, could ever fully understand the will and purpose of God? You know, there's something, I, I totally get the emotional power behind this argument from, from suffering, innocent suffering. I get it, of course. I mean, I feel as much as anybody. But at the same time, there's something a little bit arrogant about it, too, that obviously there's no meaning here. Well, I mean, how, how can we possibly say that? How could our little tiny minds possibly fathom the purposes of an infinite mind? You know, it's interesting. One of the most famous lines in the Old Testament is found in this section of Habakkuk, though we don't hear from it today in our readings. But this line was picked up by St. Paul in his letter to the Romans and hence had a powerful role in Christian history. The line I'm referring to is this. The just man shall live by faith. The just man shall live by faith. What does that mean? That means that the, the person of God is living not in the attitude of, I got this all under control. <laughs> I got my life figured out. I know what's going on. I'm in charge. That, that kind of you know hyper-confident, overconfident humanism. Rather, the righteous person lives by this confidence in the will and purpose of God. You know, here's something that came up in the uh, the Reddit AMA, uh, and it's a very old thing in philosophy, but a lot of the, the young people brought it up to me again. They say, solve this dilemma for me, Bishop. 
How could God possibly be at the same time all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving if there's evil? Right? If he's all-knowing, he'd know about it. If he's all-powerful, he could do something about it. If he's all-loving, he'd want to do something about it. Right? Therefore, if he's all three of those things, evil would not exist. Good argument? Uh-huh. It's a darn good argument. It's a darn good argument. Very persuasive argument. It's been used up and down the centuries. But here's the problem. It overlooks a fourth possibility. A possibility perceived by the person of faith. Namely this. God can permit evil so as to bring about a greater good. Evil can be allowed as part of God's design, even though we can never fully grasp the contours and patterns of that design. This easy? Of course not. Faith always involves a certain walking in the dark. But what power it brings us. Listen now as I close, just one line from the Gospels, from the Gospel for today. The apostles say to the Lord, Increase our faith! And Jesus replies, If you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now what's being said here? Not that we're going to you know, watch me as I make trees you know, become uprooted. No, the point here is that confidence in God's plan, confidence in God's purpose, unleashes enormous power in your own life and in the lives of those around you. It permits you to live in a free and spiritually expansive way. It gives you the power to endure whatever may come. And that's why the just person shall live by faith. That, it seems to me, everybody, is the biblical answer to this great and ancient problem. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.